0: Are you ready for some high adventure coming up next on the Mutual Audio Network? The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Chapter 9 I was back at Robbery Homicide and had been for over an hour. They had me in room number six, which was one of the small ones, just me and two suits I didn't know particularly well. I half expected a good going over, but they were all business. Kept on me about every little detail about my date with Blondie in the notary's office, and I knew that Ted Holm had given me up to Sabian. I didn't begrudge him that, A fellow has gotta live after all, and I had expected it. But I had also expected Sabian to cuss Ted out, and that would be the end of it. They were taking all of this way too seriously. The detectives applying the questions were named Long and Bradley. I felt like there might be a joke in there somewhere, but it never quite came to me. They seemed half disinterested in this activity, as though they regarded it as a waste of time, but cops do that sometimes, in the hopes that you'll let your guard down. If they're talking to you at all, it was best to assume that they were dead serious. After half an hour, they switched gears again, and I realized that I had been right. They were playing me. Now they were playing angry, but doing it badly... I had been through the story just as I told it to Ted, but leaving out the name of my client. That was none of their business, and giving it up was bad business for me. There was a good chance that they already knew it, but from the way they kept harping on it, I got the feeling that home might have left it out too. The cops and I had played this little game a few times before. I was of the opinion that my clients were entitled to confidentiality, like a lawyer. The cops thought that was very cute, but since there was no such law forcing them to respect that... They would like me to spill and do it before they got angry. It never amounted to very much, but it was usually enough to get me before a review board. This had me going through a mental checklist as I ran through the events of the previous night for the seventh time. I was trying to think if I had done anything lately that would make it seem worth their while to have my license pulled. Again, I came up zeros. I had actually been pretty good lately. That is, assuming that they didn't know about the Bruce Chee case... And since I was not actually in a cell right now, I was going to assume that they did not. So what in blazes was this tap dance about? If there were two cops in with Blondie too, plus the swarm they had brought to collect me, this was all turning into quite a little operation. And if it is in aid of anything more than Sabian being a general pain in the nether regions, I couldn't imagine what it could be. At last, the door opened and a uniform named Green stuck his head in. He looked serious. My friends in room number six looked serious. Everybody was serious except me. Anything? Green asked. Nothing new, Long said. Green nodded. He's ready, he said. Oh, good. Barring the unscheduled arrival of an angry Old Testament god, there was only one he in Midtown that was going to inspire that kind of gravity down at Robbery Homicide. I was, at last, being brought to an audience with the big man. Sabian had selected room number three for this. One of the larger rooms, and with a full wall of mirrors that I had to assume served to conceal an unknown number of spectators. There couldn't actually be any. Who on earth would they sell tickets to this circus to? But it was a big stage, and Sabian liked a big stage. Bradley opened the door, and I stepped in as if to a round of applause. It was always best to assume the crowd was on your side, if it existed. Tragically, the object of my affection failed to be annoyed by my manner. Sabian had not yet arrived. Always the showman. I sat down and handed Bradley his handcuffs, which I had removed on the way from room number six. Sorry, I smiled. They were itching. Bradley did not smile. Cops hate nothing quite so much as a guy that can get out of handcuffs. I stretched my arms casually, as if to rub it in. Bradley looked around, and I could tell he was wondering if anyone was behind those mirrors too. If there was, and he tried to put the cuffs back on me before Sabian arrived... He would only look like an idiot, and he knew it. He ran his fingers through his brill-creamed hair in frustration and turned on his heel, closing the door behind him. I was alone. I waggled my fingers in a fey wave towards the mirrors. If there was nobody there, I looked silly and nobody knew it. If there was an audience, I was annoying them, and that was what was important. The door opened and two officers brought Blondie in and sat her down beside me. One of them left the room, the other stayed behind, possibly to make sure we didn't pass notes or chew gum. Princess, I said by way of acknowledgement. Don't talk to me, she deadpanned. Don't talk to me, don't look at me, don't even think about talking or looking. Can I think about knocking your teeth in, I smiled. Dream big, Peaches, she said. She did a little double take and I could tell that she noticed my lack of handcuffs. I smiled and rubbed my wrists. Want me to take yours off too, I asked. She seemed to think about this for half a second. No, she said. Good, I smiled as the door opened and Sabian walked in. Sabian was a big guy, and for all the years since he'd left his blues behind, wearing a suit still didn't seem to agree with him. He wasn't in bad shape for a guy who spent a lot of time behind a desk, but he sweated a lot, mostly around the back of his neck. He mopped his neck with a handkerchief, but the heat he was generating back there just had the effect of keeping his aftershave at full strength all day. He always smelled a little like your dad's medicine cabinet. Sabian sat down. He glared at the girl. He glared at me. He glared at my wrists. My wrists and I sat there and took it. Who cuffed you, he asked, as quietly and calmly as he ever asked anything. Originally, I asked? No clue. It was a group effort, and lay off them, you wouldn't have done any better. Something like a crooked smile played around his face, and it made me freeze a little around the boots in spite of myself. One of the advantages of being a sour, angry man is that a little smile becomes the most disarming device you could hope to have. Sabian played it well. "'I think I could keep a pair on you,' he purred like a tiger with a toothache. "'That little trick don't work so good when you got two broken elbows.' I nodded. There was no point pressing him for a demonstration. "'I concede the point,' I said. "'Can we go now?' The blonde seemed to start a little at this, as if she objected to my referring to us as we. Sabian just looked at me and opened a case file. It was surprisingly thick, which suggested that he had chosen a pretty poor prop. "'Oh, for Pete's sake, Sabian, enough with the little theater society. "'I'm not buying it,' I said. "'Will you just shut up so we can find out what this is all about?' "'It was her. She was not helping. "'Grown-ups are talking right now, baby,' I said. "'You call me baby again,' she snapped, "'and I will pull out your liver with my teeth. "'You keep on coming on to me,' I said. "'But I'm just not interested. It's a little sad. "'You two comedians do realize that I'm sitting right here,' "'Sabian seemed annoyed, but also a little curious.' One second, Sabian, she began, as if there was to be a great deal more. No, Dixon, Sabian barked. This is my party, and I say sit down and shut up. I declined to mention that the girl detective was, in fact, already sitting. In fact, we all agreed to let that go. Sabian looked back to his case file. Enough with the gag file, Sabian. What is this really all about? Gag file? Sabian got quiet. That was a bad thing. When Sabian had nothing, he got loud. But he was quiet. Like he was holding a straight or better. You think I'm here to kid you? I had, of course. But now I wasn't so sure. Still, may as well see the bit through. Get off it, Lieutenant. Petunia and I took a couple of pot shots in one another's general direction, but I missed on purpose and she couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Drop dead, ape, she snapped. And in any case, none of that means a thing unless we start preferring charges against each other, I said, which shut the girl up. At last. So what have you got? "'A damage complaint from the notary, 50 cents worth of plaster and a little paint. "'You've got her on a petty B and E, if you like. "'Me? I didn't B, I just E'd.' "'Dixon glared daggers at me. "'Sabian had a look like he was waiting to hit me with an anvil the moment I shut up, so I didn't. "'So you've had a good laugh, and you've made your "'and while I cannot speak for the girl detective, "'I suspect that we have both learned our lesson,' I said. "'Can I go now?' "'Sabian said nothing, but opened a box that was beside him on the table.' From it, he produced my forty-five, the Beretta I had seen in Dixon's hand out on the street, and the little twenty-two that she had used the night before. Sabian looked at us as if he had produced a rabbit from his hat. "'I gotta ask,' I said, "'where did she have the twenty two? "'Go to hell,' Dixon snapped at me. "'Little holster strapped to her thigh,' Sabian said with a raise of his eyebrow. <laughs> I laughed out loud. The girl's ears turned bright red, but her face looked even more sour. "'A mousetrap hidden on the way to the cookies, is that it?' I asked." She looked like she was going to leap to her feet and make good her threat on what was left of my liver. Sabian put a stop to that with an open-handed slap on the tabletop that echoed around the room like a gunshot. He had done that more than once, and it showed. Two officially licensed, highly trained, private-type detectives,' he began quietly, "'each working for persons unknown, each watching the apartment of one Janet Timms. "'Each, for whatever it is worth, armed to the teeth, and with a camera thrown into the mix for good measure.' Sabian was building up to something. He reached into the folder and flipped an 8x10 photograph our way. It spun and stopped between Dixon and I, showing the inside of Janet Tim's apartment from an angle I had not seen before. And there was Tim's. Still mostly beautiful, all but for a hole in her head. So you two geniuses want to explain how, with the both of you watching, Janet Tim's went and got herself dead? Do you like thrillers, action, adventure, mystery, crime drama? Well, you're in luck, because here on the Mutual Audio Network, we have Thursday thrillers. You can subscribe and have a dose of adrenaline-pumping audio every Thursday from your favourite podcast player. Get it here now.